Welcome to Rural Is Cool. This week, I chat with Tim Johnson. Tim is a certified registered nurse anesthetist at the local hospital. We chat about how he became interested in being a nurse, how he continued his education through his doctorate, and that he's now one of the area's only CRNAs. Tim shares insights as to why our local hospital is important for our rural community, as well as the struggles of a type A personality building a home for his growing family. Tim, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good, thanks. So I wanted to um, have you on and, and chat because you have a pretty interesting career that, that a lot of people might not think of when they think of rural. So let's start with where you grew up in and um, then where you went to school. Okay, well, was born, uh, been in Nebraska my whole life, born in Beatrice, uh, only ended up living there for just a few months before we moved away and, and then uh, grew up in Tecama, Nebraska. Uh, so I'd say we've got about two, two and a half, oh, about two hours uh, to the river from here, uh, about an hour, I guess, north of Omaha. So uh, also small town. I want to say there are about 1,800 people. So it was very similar to kind of where we're at right or where I'm living right now. So it uh, wasn't difficult at all for me to you know, make the decision to move back here and, and, uh, you know, kind of adapt to the rural lifestyle. That's kind of where, I, like I said, was born and raised at. So very similar. And that's kind of what we were aiming for. That's what we wanted to do when we, you know, had kids and wanted to raise kids in a similar, I guess, setting that both my wife and I, uh, grew up in my wife's from Neely, Nebraska. So, you know, two small town kids didn't make, uh, or wasn't too difficult to make that decision. So, uh, went to high school there, graduated there, uh, went to UNO, wasn't quite sure what I want to do with my life. Oddly enough, just took gen ed classes for about a year or so. And like I said, took a long time, wasn't sure what I was going to end up doing. Uh, and my appendix decided that it wanted to try to kill me. So I <laughs> uh, went camping one day and my appendix burst in the middle of the night and I thought I could tough it out for a couple of days. And a couple of days later, I, I ended up in the ER and was not doing very good at all. It was, you know, past the point. It wasn't just that I had appendicitis that it actually burst and it turned into emergency surgery at about two in the morning, I think on a Sunday morning um, and woke up. Uh, they kept me in the ICU for a couple of days. And actually that's when I got to meet a nurse anesthetist and, and he was, you know, asking me about my life, seeing what I was doing. And I basically told him I didn't really know. And he said, you know, I look into nursing and uh, there's, broad horizons you can kind of do whatever you want with the bachelor's in nursing and you can take that you can go legal with it you could go to an advanced practice you could stay a nurse you could do whatever you want to do there was multiple job opportunities out there so I thought that sounded pretty good so I actually changed my major and went into nursing started at Methodist College of Nursing there in Omaha that took four years to get a bachelor's degree during that time I got a job at the Nebraska Medical Center in the cardiovascular intensive care unit as a patient care tech. And I was there six years as a patient care tech. And then, like I said, four years, no, five years, I'm sorry, as a patient care tech, I got that job right before I got accepted into nursing school. And then four years took me to get through uh, nursing school to get my bachelor's degree. And right when I got my bachelor's degree, I started there as a nurse in the same cardiac ICU. We would take heart transplant patients, we'd take LVAD patients, cabbages, which is coronary artery bypass graft. Somebody has a heart attack, they take usually a vein either out of your chest or out of your leg and they'll bypass the clot or the blockage 
of the coronary arteries that basically feed oxygen to your heart. And basically anybody that has a heart attack that goes in for heart surgery after that, if it's not a stent, if it's, it's usually a, a cabbage and uh, we'd take care of those patients. And right when I was probably the last year or two that I was there, they really started doing some really cutting edge stuff. We were doing total heart transplants where, I mean, they were having these look like little refrigerators in the side of the room, but they would be pumping basically and a complete heart and they in your chest, except for the, you know, the main function of the heart, the ventricles, they would completely replace those. And, uh, they'd give those people those machines for, you know, months until a, a heart came across the heart transplant list and then they'd switch them over to a, an actual real heart. So that's crazy. And right after I left, yeah, they started doing heart lung transplants. So, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of stuff, a lot of experience, a lot of hands-on, um, a lot of, you know, critical care experience that I got to do decided, yeah, that was fun. It was very stressful. Um, I still just wanted to do more. So I applied for grad school. Like I said, I had six years of RN experience, got into grad school and that was about three and a half years. Um, and I got my doctoral degree in, uh, nursing anesthesia practice. So, so what is the difference between the nurse anesthesiologist or anesthetist yep. and the next level? So the, so the counterpart of it, and this is a question that gets asked all the time. So an anesthesiologist, an MD anesthesiologist goes to med school um, where they get their, they get their MD um, and then they can decide basically at that point, you can branch out into multiple different directions. You can decide to go into general surgery, pediatrics, cardiology, anesthesia. I mean, that's the point. So they went to med school. Uh, it is a very heavy didactic, uh, focus where you spend a lot of time kind of in lectures and, and, uh, books, etc. Um, just because like I said, they have to kind of prepare them for a broad span of what they're going to do next. After that, they can go into a fellowship, uh, with anesthesia. They can focus on anesthesia and they'll do that for about four years where they would become an anesthesiologist. That would be basically their main focus. So like I said, it's, it's four years, uh, basically med school and then four years of usually a fellowship and they can continue to progress after that. So it's minimum, usually about eight years of school. Um, some of them go even further, you can go up to 12 and sometimes they specialize even more on stuff after that. So it's basically the nursing focus of it versus the physician focus of it, pros and cons of each. Like I said, the, the CRNA view of it, there's a lot more uh, in my opinion, we, like I said, I did four years to get my bachelor's degree. Um, and then I did six years of, uh, ICU hands-on nursing care. Um, and then you do another three and a half years to get your doctoral degree, uh, in nursing anesthesia practice. So there is a whole lot of hands-on versus the counterpart. There's still a lot of hands-on everything, but the initial part of it is mostly just, um, didactic phase. Um, which there's a lot of that, like I said, through the programs we then went through. So it's, it's kind of potato, potato, the laws in each state are kind of different on which can practice where uh, a lot of places or a lot of states still require a physician anesthesiologist to watch over a nurse anesthetist or a CRNA is what, what the uh, credentials are that I have. But Nebraska is not one of those states. I believe as of right now, there are 17 states that are considered opt-out states. And those states are basically more rural. They're, they're a lot of areas such as Neely to where uh, we require anesthesia services, but don't necessarily have the capacity or the ability to 
hire uh, anesthesiologists. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, we can't we can't have multiple anesthesiologists um, in here because you know just the competition. I mean, uh, they're not going to live and, and work in Ely, Nebraska, when they could go down the road to um, Norfolk or or uh, the Med Center, Omaha, or any of the other major communities, and and get a salary that's going to be considerably higher than what you know we would even be able to offer them. And I, I wouldn't imagine that our rural hospital would have enough surgeries no, to no, keep them busy. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, right now um, I'm the only in the past, there's been uh, usually two CRNAs here. Um, I did have a partner right when I first came here and she wanted to move away and, and uh, see, kind of see the world and, and get different opportunities and stuff like that. Um, she, great girl worked with her for a while, really enjoyed working with her and everything, but that was just the choice she wanted for her and her family. And, and, you know, I couldn't, couldn't argue with her and told her, you know, good luck with her, with her endeavors and good luck with what, you know, she's going into. And, and, uh, she's been very happy with the choice she made. They really, uh, enjoy where they live now and, and are really happy there. And I can't, couldn't be happier for them. But after that happened, I just thought, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to try to hire on another partner, somebody to kind of split the time with, or I actually had a lot of friends that have been forking around uh, kind of the surrounding areas. And they said, Hey, you know, if you need help, we're here to help you out. Anytime you need a day off, uh, help us or we'll help you out. And you just let us know. And, and uh, that has actually worked out really well. You know, there's a group of about five of them I rely on, on a regular basis. And I have up to where about 12 of them that I can just bring them in and say, Hey, I need you to, cover this case or cover the phones on the weekend, or I need to take a vacation for a few days, just kind of come in and, and cover the ER call, or if there's anything like that. And, and usually between the whole group of them, I can, you know, usually string together a few days, but yeah. So how far do you get to go away from the hospital being the only guy? That's always a tricky question. I think, God, I just watch what I say. I think in my contract, um, (laughs) I think in my contract, I, when I'm called in, I'm supposed to be there within 30 minutes. Obviously, okay. 30 minutes is a long time to hold your breath. So, um, right, you know, right. if it's a medical emergency right now, I think, I mean, I live uh, a half, half mile to a mile away from the hospital. If it's a medical emergency, I mean, usually I'm there within two to three minutes. I mean, right now, uh, I, I live and breathe with my phone right next to me uh, in my pocket. My watch is connected to my wrist. Um, right on my nightstand. And there has been multiple times I've been called in at two and three in the morning for you know, anything. I mean, a kid not breathing, um, you know, so, uh, somebody's heart stopped. Uh, somebody just comes rolling into the ER with, you know, and, and having medical emergency. And like I said, it, it doesn't take long to, I have a stack of uh, scrubs and, and hospital t-shirts literally uh, on the counter next to my nightstand. <laughs> And my, my, uh, hospital shoes are always right next to my nightstand. So it's like, I mean, just get up and run, jump into the clothes and run out the door and get there as fast as you possibly can. So, I mean, literally if it's something, an emergency like that, I can be there within, you know, two to three minutes. And and you're pretty lucky. You, your, your wife is a nurse. So she understands. Yeah, she absolutely. She gets it. I couldn't do this. And like I said, when, when my, uh, when the partner I had that I used to work with when I first got here, when she moved away, that was basically the only contingency is that like, she knew kind of what needed to be done and the, the assistance I needed. So, I mean, she's kind of, you know, takes care of everything. Whereas my partner was mom, you know, she was a mom of her kids. So she had to do all that kind of stuff. Whereas, whereas uh, my wife, you know, she's the mom, she takes care of a lot of the, the daycare. She takes a lot of care, a lot of the running the kids left and right and everything like that. Whereas, you know, when the kids have to go somewhere, 
Norfolk for one reason or another, I stay behind, which everybody kind of understands and everything like that. So yeah, I'm really excited when it comes time uh, where one of those guys, like I said, comes up and covers me and I get to go to Norfolk and like get fast food or like walk, right. walk around <laughs> Menards or like Walmart. I'll just walk into the building sometimes and I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. You know, it's, I just, uh, we drove through uh, uh, Norfolk the other day and I was like, when did they get a Dairy Queen here? And I was like, you know, same thing happened a couple months ago. And I was like, there's a Buffalo Wild Wings now. And it's just like, yeah, you didn't know that. And it's like, no, I only you know norfolk's 30 minutes away and i only go there a few times a year it seems like so it's kind of funny sometimes but. yeah the, there'll be a new coffee shop on the on the hill there by the hospital i i, I uh, imagine you'll spend a, a lot of time there you know what's <laughs> funny is that i actually i don't drink coffee i love the smell of it but what? yeah i can't drink coffee which which i, I should probably look into it because there are sometimes so i cover neely uh a lot of the times but i'll i'll also go to surrounding hospitals like i said i'll have those those uh, guys that come in and, and cover me and then I'll go to Plainview Osmond and also Atkinson and I'll do some uh, scheduled cases there. I'm not on call for their ER or anything, whereas I am, you know, on call 24 hours um, here in town in case there's ever an emergency. Um, and then also for uh, OB cases that come in that, that need anesthesia or anything like that. I'm always on call for them as well. But for those other towns, I go to those do just scheduled uh, outpatient procedures Sometimes when I drive to Atkinson, you know, we will start early, early, like six something in the morning. I usually try to get there at least an hour in advance to try to prep for the case, review the chart, talk to the patients, set everything up and everything. So, I mean, if I'm showing up at 5 a.m. in the morning, that means I'm leaving at 4 a.m. in the morning, which means I'm getting yeah. up at 3.30 in the morning. And, you know, not too bad this time of year. You start to see the sun kind of at least lighten up the sky when, when you roll <laughs> in there. But in December and, and uh, January, it's pretty rough going outside at that time of night, yeah, driving yeah. for an hour. Uh, so, yeah, no coffee. Just uh, I'll, I'll drink pop, but no coffee. I don't know. We're, we're going to have to work on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I need to keep steady. Too much caffeine will make my fingers <laughs> shake. So try to stay away yeah. from it. So, so you grew up um, a hop, skip, and a jump from Omaha. Yep. And you're just a little bit closer to Norfolk than you than you were to, to Omaha growing up. But Omaha has a lot more to offer than Norfolk does. We're, we're blessed to have Norfolk right here. I don't get me Absolutely. wrong. Absolutely, yeah. What are, what are the differences or, or do you notice any differences from having access to a city the size of Omaha versus access to Norfolk? Does absolutely. that make sense? Yes, absolutely. You know, like you said, Omaha is about 45 minutes away. Norfolk's about a half an hour away. Uh, even with that being said, you can get from here to pretty much anywhere in Norfolk in 45 minutes. Uh, that drive when I got to Omaha, I mean, Omaha's big. I mean, you know, it's pretty spread out going from one end to the other end with traffic, everything like that. I swear to, I think traffic gets worse every time I drive <laughs> through that town. Um, Norfolk, usually not too bad. Restaurants, you know, there's the few, you know, maybe you got a half dozen that you can stick with in, in Norfolk, whereas Omaha, it's like a new restaurant I thought opened up every other day that you didn't even know about. I mean, uh, same thing, movie theaters. I think Norfolk has, I don't know if it has more than one, but I think I know it has just one that I know yeah. of. Um, and I mean, it's got a good selection and everything, but I mean, you had five of those in Omaha. Five with 20 screens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, there was, there was always restaurants. There was always you know, bars you could go to, there was always, uh, movie theaters. There was always something new to go and see. Um, you know, they had jazz in the park. They always had. So, I mean, it seems like, yeah, there's a bigger, bigger city, more amenities, but also more of the, the downside of it too, more of the crime 
you know, more of the issues. You know, like I said, I worked at the, the med center for a long time. Uh, a lot of hospitals, uh, a lot of great hospitals, which I mean, I don't, just being here is, is great. You know, access to Children's Hospital, access to the Nebraska Medical Center, we can transfer our patients to either one of those facilities. Um, having both of those uh, within hours of us is amazing. And that's why they're there is because it's in the center of the country. I mean, I don't think, I think everybody takes that for granted. Both those hospitals are there, especially Children's Hospital. I mean, that is not, not nationally known. That is world-renowned hospital um, that patients come from all over you know, and physicians come from all over to get advice from and everything med center, you know, right, right behind them. Um, they, they take patients from all over the place. And like I said, I think, especially in Omaha, people took it for granted, but I mean, just living in Nebraska, I think, uh, we kind of take that for granted that we have a hospital that big just down the road. But yeah, like I said, uh, living in a city that big crime issues. I mean, I remember working, I would work nights and weekends and stuff and a Saturday night, you know, the ERs would just fill up and that was just you know, sad, disgusting. I mean, you'd just be like, God, what kind of a world do you, do we live in when you get this many gunshot wounds sometimes in one night and stuff? So, and it, and that's not something you probably have, have even seen since you've moved back. Here. No, no, I, you know what? <laughs> I, I can't really say a lot about the types of patients and stuff, but there right. have been. I mean, there have been the usually there has been gunshot wounds, but it's been you know usually accidents rather than you know attempted murder or anything, you know, there's been, right, right. You know, like I said, most of the, the traumas that we have are, are accidents instead of, you know, trying to kill someone, which is, like I said, you see a lot more of that. So it is, um, we are uh, fortunate to have a uh, operating room and those capabilities. How rare is that in, in a hospital our size? Well, and like I said, uh, Nebraska, thankfully is one of those opt-out states where we don't have the laws that, that say that you need to have an anesthesiologist, a physician uh, anesthesiologist over watching over me. You know, if you go to some of the California, for example, if you were in a small town, uh, there are small towns in California hours away from the major metropolis. But I mean, say you have, you know, and it does happen. Say, say you're choking, say you have something to where you can't breathe for some reason, say you're appendix person, you need to go into emergency surgery, say, uh, grandpa has a heart attack and goes down and needs, you know, life saving measures. Um, if you don't have, I mean, you'll have physicians and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, you might not have the ability to go straight to OR. You might need to be transferred. Um, like I said, say, uh, your kid has bad pneumonia and all of a sudden stops breathing or, or has respiratory distress where they're not breathing effectively. Um, like I said, it's, it's hard to hold your breath for the drive from here to Norfolk. So, right, right. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, it's, it's nice to have a hospital, like I said, for, for each town that can do something like that. But a lot of places don't, you know, a lot of the surrounding communities don't have that. And there are, you know, kids get sick, um, people get sick, people get hurt. You know, a lot of the surrounding communities that I go to, like I said, Plainview, Osmond, Atkins, they, they don't have uh, anesthesia services on call. They do have physicians there. They do have advanced practice providers, but what well, anesthesia is, big thing for is we do airway management, um, uh, especially emergency airway management, advanced airway management. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, places out there where they don't have somebody that can do advanced airways. There's a lot of places that that's not their specialty. You know, it's like, right. Uh, you want somebody that's done, you know, advanced airway thousands of times, not I did it once a couple of years ago, I'll give it a try, you know, kind of thing. And, 
And like I said, usually you only have to do it when the situation arises and, and heaven forbid, you don't really want that situation to be arising every other day, but there are situations multiple times a year where it does come up and you want somebody that kind of knows what they're doing, I guess. You know, I, I hadn't thought about that, that the other hospital, I, I, after high school, I moved to Omaha and then that was the smallest city I had lived in for 20 years. Yeah. So when I think of hospital, I think of operating rooms, I think of, of anesthesiology all of this, right? Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't think about like Osmond and Plainview and Atkinson and, and some of these other hospitals around might not have somebody on call to be able to take on that emergent case. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, we, even, even here in Neely, you know, we transfer a lot of the, the things out that we, you know, can't that, you know, you start having a heart attack, obviously we're not going to take, take into the OR and do heart surgery. We'll transfer you to the med center. Um, we try to stabilize, uh, you know, the best we can in the transfer. You know, you see helicopters coming in and out of the yeah. uh, AMH hospital all the time. But yeah, there are a lot of places that, you know, um, don't have, you know, they might have some personnel, but they don't have as much as I'm sure that they'd like at times. You know, like I said, I've talked to people that, that live in smaller rural communities um, that don't have, you know, always have, they might have an advanced practice nurse on call. Um, they might have family uh, practice or family medicine physician there on call. But yeah, anesthesia services in rural settings uh, is usually fairly rare. Um, a lot of the places that have it are more isolated, like uh, Valentine O'Neill, stuff like that, that are further away. Um, like I said, to, ha- to have one here in Neely, that's that's good, right? I think. Is it rare because of the cost of having the equipment, the personnel, the or is it rare to have it because they rarely need it? Um, well, I would hate to say that they rarely need it because there's a lot of times that, like I said, I do get called in for, like I said, emergency airway management. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of places need it. You know, it's not one of those things uh, you need it every kind of day like you would at the, at the med center where you're innovating people in the ER every single day. Thankfully, we don't have that level of need for anesthesia here, but we do need it. I mean, it does happen at least a couple of times. And I wouldn't say innovations in the ER a couple of times a month, but it does happen. Uh, I get called in quite frequently to come into the ER and assist or perform procedures or do airway management. As far as those other places, you do everything that you can in these rural facilities. They do everything that they can and they basically work as quickly as you can to transfer to a place that has what that patient needs. So like, and I don't, I, I don't want to diminish the value of, of those hospitals. I'm not trying to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, just trying to kind of understand how fortunate we are here in Antelope County. Yeah. And that, and like you said, that's, that's, that's kind of the place. I mean, no matter what, what it is, where you're doing, no matter what, everybody just basically tries to triage, uh, and, and transfer that patient to a level of higher care. And, and we're in that same boat. We're along that same line. You know, if, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, there's an accident, there's a trauma, you get in a motor vehicle accident or something like that. And there's severe blood loss. You do what you can, you stabilize that patient, you get them to the closest facility that has the highest level of care. And then they'll do the same thing. They'll stabilize them to the best of their abilities and they'll move them on down. You know, if somebody out, you know, at Osmond that doesn't have anesthesia services there, they'll, uh, they'll oxygenate them as, as the best that they possibly can. If they can, they'll uh, attempt to place an advanced airway. You know, if they're not able or successful to do that, then they'll continue to oxygenate them the best they can and transfer them to the next closest place that does, you know, have somebody that can place that. Like I said, a lot of these places have advanced uh, practice nurses or have family practice doctors that, that have the ability to do that. 
they might not see it as much. They might not, you know, have the, as much of experience, I guess, to do that. Right. Right. But yeah, there's, there's even a lot of places, like I said, out there that don't necessarily have that. They might just have like a, a family practice clinic that's open, you know, clinic hours, nine to five, Monday through Friday. And, you know, if something happens, then you better be, you know, they try to transfer you. You know, like I said, when I grew up in Tecama, Nebraska, and, and I don't think it's changed since then. So Tecama, Nebraska, the closest town um, with anesthesia or even a doctor that's on call is Blair, which is 20 minutes away. So, I mean, say, say you're sitting at the Christmas party or something and, and grandpa starts having a heart attack and goes down, the best that they would do at that time would be to uh, load them up in the ambulance, stabilize them as well as you could on the drive there to, you know, but that was EMTs and paramedics, you know, a lot of times they, you know, couldn't get them there for 15, 20 minutes. So, I mean, that was right. Right. You know, a lot of times uh, time, it takes time to, to get, you know, to those places. So. And I actually just recently learned that there's a difference between an EMT and a paramedic and what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to a family friend who's been an EMT my entire life. And I was like, well, can't you just X, Y, and Z? And he's like, well, no, that's a paramedic's job. And I was like, hold on. Exactly. And I mean, and nothing, nothing against those guys. They all do great jobs, but right. But like you said, uh, they don't have all the equipment. They've got a lot of equipment, those ambulances, but they don't have all the fiber optic scopes that I can use to, to put a breathing tube in or something like that. They don't have that. They're driving down the road at 90 miles an hour, trying to put an IV in, trying to, you know, right. it's, right. it's, they come up to a car wreck. It's not uh, a nice, easy you know, structured environment, like a, an actual an ER is, or an OR is, you know, these guys are trying to pull people out of mangled cars where there's, you know, inadequate lighting, inadequate tools. You don't know what you're walking into. Whereas by the time the patient comes rolling into the ER, they've given me a report. I know exactly what I, what I need and what I'm looking at right. ahead of time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, none of us could do our job with, you know, everybody's just kind of a, uh, a ring in the chain. So none of us could do our job without the other guy, but yeah, it's not always easy for them to do you know, the stuff that others can do in, in an ER situation just because of all those extra variables, I guess. So shifting gears just a little bit, you guys, how long have you guys um, lived back in Neely? I say back, it's back for your wife. Um. We moved back, I want to say 2015 and actually lived with my uh, in-laws, lived with her parents and I did my residency at Faith. Um, so I got to do, you know, surgery from as much as I wanted, get to see, get to see and do as much surgery as I wanted uh, as a student. So we've lived here. We lived with them while I was still in school. Uh, we had at that time had a girl and made the brilliant idea to have two more children while I was in grad school. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had, and they're right out a year apart and had both of them while I was in grad school. So two babies. Uh, so she, it was, it was, really helpful to have um, right my in-laws there to help take care of those guys so right right because i mean a lot of times you know i was gone pretty much from sun up to sundown and then a lot of other times you know i did a two-month residency in o'neill where i lived there for two months and then grand island for a couple months and then uh west point for a month where else did i go kind of all over the place um for a while do you do that just to learn other people's styles or Correct, yeah. get, maybe get exposed to something different? Different settings. I mean, yeah, I walk into the anesthesia setting uh, for CRNA in Norfolk is, you know, you cover surgery, you go in nine or not nine to five. It's usually about 6 a.m. till about uh, 4 p.m. or somewhere in there. And you'll do scheduled cases, whereas the CRNA in Neely, Nebraska is completely different. Obviously, we won't have near as many scheduled surgical cases. 
um, this time of night, those guys are sitting up with their feet up on the counter, watching TV, cracking a beer. Whereas I'm still sitting here in my scrubs and, and with my phone next to me. And, you know, I would say 50% of my job is getting called into the ER, um, doing, you know, emergency stuff, whereas that isn't any part of their job. You know, they're, they're kind of scheduled. So it's a diff- very different uh, setting depending on rural versus, versus that, you know, so, and then there's other places that are kind of a mixture of that. You go to O'Neill, they have a group of uh, about four CRNAs. Um, so their call schedule is, is split up. So there's some days where you're just doing scheduled stuff and then, and then you're done with scheduled cases. You're completely off call until then, you know, whenever you take your call rotation. So it's definitely a mixture of, of call emergency services along with scheduled services. Whereas, like I said, Neely has uh, a mixture of, about both of those I, I i would think that our um being 40 minutes closer to norfolk which is probably the next the biggest medicine on the area right gives the advantage that we don't have to have quite as many people on yep staff for that because we can more easily transfer to the bigger facility than i mean everybody yeah transferring is the the big thing especially and that's really been a hot button issue during covid just the availability of beds and accepting hospitals trying to get, you know, if we ever run into a situation, like I said, the best thing we can do is transfer them to a higher level of care. And that's, that's the same regardless of where you go. Same thing with Norfolk. If we transfer, there's a lot of times we transfer patients to Norfolk and they turn around, transfer them to the med center. Um, So, and like I said, that's, it doesn't matter where you go. That's what happens. So yeah, that's a big thing. Transition time. Uh, between one to the other weather always plays an effect you know if we can't get a helicopter here from one place or another if the weather's bad and we have to go by ground uh, available personnel to transfer stuff like that so I mean all those factors really come into play on what you need on one end and the other end for managing patients it's it's kind of it might seem simple but it, it is very much a juggling game a lot of times unfortunately a lot of the external factors definitely play uh an important role on a patient's getting care, you know, it's, there was multiple times during, you know, the peak of the COVID crisis where we were crossing our fingers saying, if we have something come in right now, they're staying, we cannot transfer them out. And there was multiple times where that did happen, where there was just nowhere we we can transfer them to a higher level facility. So we became, you know, that higher level facility, we would, you know, kind of turn our, uh, our, ER into an ICU and manage that patient until a facility did open up for that patient. And you, you know, on a, on a good day, it's immediately on a bad day. It takes a while. And that that's something I don't know that um, people realized, right. Is, yeah. is because we take for granted that we have a hospital just down the road that it might not be the level of care that we need, you know? Absolutely. And I, I think during the whole, the height of the, the pandemic, and, and I don't want to say, because it's not over, we're, we're still there, right? No, yeah. I, I think that that people here kind of took that for granted. They're like, oh, well, I'll get the care I need. They didn't understand that it, it's a tiered system, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the other thing, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of times where we call and say, hey, we need a helicopter to come out here. There's only, there's not very many helicopters at all. I mean, there's, there's only a handful of helicopters throughout the entire state. And there's a lot of small towns, a lot of small towns, a lot of hospitals, and those helicopters are moving nonstop all the time. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, you can, you can request it, but they might be somewhere else. And then they might have to come back and fill up and switch out personnel. So, I mean, sometimes you can call and say, Hey, 
I need a helicopter right now. And they say, we'll be there in 30 minutes. And you might call and say, Hey, I need a helicopter right now. And they say, we'll be there in six hours. And you're just like, I could walk them faster. Right. Right. I'll just go ahead and push them. Like I'll carry them on my back. You know, it's like, they're like, that's the best we can do right now. So then you kind of start making more phone calls and seeing what you can do. Um, I, I think that's kind of a rural narrative, right? It's the best we can do, uh, you know, in a lot of situations. Um, yeah. And that's, and like I said, you know, I, I mentioned the example of, uh, you know, where I grew up in Tacoma, you know, they didn't have a hospital there. The hospital was down the road in Blair, 20 minutes away. And so you do the best you can do. And that's, I'm a huge advocate of supporting local business. And one of those local businesses is the hospital here in town, you know, um, like I said, I try to tell people, you know, you can do whatever you want, but um, it is a business. And if it doesn't have business from the people that live around here, and uh, then that, that availability in that emergency state will, could go away. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one thing people might say, okay, I, I don't want to go there for a checkup or this or this, or one thing I want to go to the big hospital for this or something else it all ties together that that's your choice. You can choose to do that. And that's, that's fine. But like I said, in that event where it's an emergency, that big hospital is 30 minutes away. And I don't know very many people, like I said, that if you fall down and your heart stops or you stop breathing, 30 minutes is a very long time. That's something that our hospital does really well. And I don't know if the other hospitals in, in rural areas do it as well or not. Um, there are what five satellite clinics yes. that always have every day that they're open, either have a, a doctor or a nurse practitioner or an advanced level um, available to see you. And then we have, I can't think of a specialty that, that I've needed since I've moved back um, or anybody in my family that's needed that they can't go to Neely and see that. Granted, the guy might be there twice a month on certain days, but it's there. Exactly. Yeah, that's a big goal of, of AMH is trying to find those, those uh, specialties and finding those physicians that do that and bringing them in. So that way we can, you know, kind of like you said, it might be two times a month. And, you know, it would be nice, yes, if we could offer some of those services more frequently, but some of these physicians we're bringing in, you know, are flying in from Lincoln, you know, literally yeah. flying in or driving for hours to come here during those times. Um, just to offer that availability or offer that uh, service to to the people of the area, and like I said, and when when we choose to to drive, you know, to a different hospital to do that, those people are going to stop coming if that happens. You know, I mean, they're only going to come here if there's people needing their services. If people stop needing their services, then you know, it's it'll it's a a snowball effect. I mean, it it will it can build out of control. And like I said, yeah the emergency services are the big thing, you know, that those are tied to the hospital. They're tied to everything. So it's like, yeah, you, you know, you might say, oh, I'd rather go down there and get this done. I'd rather go get my x-rays or my, my EKGs or my labs drawn down the road or something like that. It's like, all right, well, you know, when the, when the time comes that the emergency services, you know, you're going to need those, they all kind of tie together, you know? And Well, and, and like you said, that goes for any business, right? If I don't, if I don't get my groceries in, my town and if nobody gets groceries in my town then there's not a need for a grocery store the grocery store goes away if nobody goes to the bar if nobody goes to the restaurant exactly exactly it's it's the same thing you know and yeah i mean nobody's going to argue you can go to walmart and get some something cheaper than you could buy here in town for one yeah what happens when it's that you know 
spur of the moment, Hey, I need to go pick this up and I need to, I need to go get a pound of hamburger or a gallon of milk. And I need to be back here at home, you know, making dinner here or making supper within 15 minutes. Right. Well, you're not going to be able to go to Walmart back in 15 minutes. You know, it's like, so yeah, like I said, I'm a huge supporter. Um, try to be a huge supporter. I'm sure there's somebody out there like, no, I saw you buying this and you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know I saw you at Menards or something. Yes. It's like, I try to be a huge advocate for, for uh, keeping local uh, as much as possible. So you guys moved back um, yep. a few years ago. You, you lived with your in-laws. Yep. Well, like I said, I was, I was usually gone before the sun came up and I didn't get home until after the sun was already back down. So didn't, didn't really see a lot of people a lot of time. Um, so, but yeah, like I said, um, it was probably a lot harder on my wife. Um, I, I appreciate all the help they gave and everything, but yeah, it was my wife and three kids, um, in two bedrooms in the basement. And like I said, we were, we were more than grateful to have it, but yeah, she, she had one baby on one side of her, another baby on the other side of her. And like I said, I'd come back uh, when I was on the residency, you know, in, in O'Neill or in Grand Island or, or wherever. I'd come back, you know, on the weekends to say hi. And they'd kind of look at me and be like, yeah, you're, you're sleeping out on the couch. <laughs> you know, it was just like, who are you? What are <laughs> yeah. you doing here kind of thing? So, uh, yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a rough, it was difficult. It was stressful, I'm sure. You know, my wife would, like I said, it would be, I'd see her come home Friday night and be so excited for her and the kids and, and she'd be shooting daggers at me with her eyes <laughs> and come drive back to there and, and get ready to go. It'd be, no, please don't go. You know, so it was, right, right, right. it was nice sometimes though. So you guys are building a house, right? So one of the thing, one of the challenges in our rural communities is housing. Um, so you guys are taking the bull by the horn and building a house, you know, American dream. You always sit there and say what you want, what you want. Uh, we've been together since early twenties. Um, we've always had dreams and plans and, and thoughts of what we were going to do and what we didn't want to do. We actually bought a house in, in Omaha when we were really young, right? When we first got together and we worked, worked, worked and paid that down as much as we possibly could. And, and you know, we were lucky enough to get into it when the market was good for buyers and we were lucky to sell it when the market was good for sellers. And like I said, we really, bust our butts to try to pay off as much as that. So the plan was to come back here. You know, we were going to, after I graduated and got a job, we were going to either buy a house or build a house and looked around at the community and, and, you know, there's some houses for sale, but we just didn't really find anything that fit. Or if we did find something that, that would fit, um, you know, like I said, we already had five and we weren't sure if we were done and turns out we're not. <laughs> turns out we need room for six. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Nothing else to worry about or stress about besides building a house and having a baby now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, we need, needed something that would fit us all for one needed it to be geographically close to the hospital. Um, so I could get there at a decent time, but we did want some room to kind of stretch our legs. Uh, kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to, to find a house that fits all that criteria. Like I said, we looked around at a lot of houses, um, looked at how much it was cost for the buy for the purchase. And then, updating etc and then we were just kind of came to the conclusion you know if we can find a uh, spot to build then maybe we'll just build and have everything the kind of the way we want it and and go from there and that's kind of what we did and ended up it took us a while but we found some land and took us a little bit longer and we got the land ready to go and now we're in the process of building so 
So one of our struggles is getting on a contractor's list. Have you found that you're a little closer to Norfolk, so... I don't know if, if you consider contractors in Norfolk still local or, or not, you know. Yeah. For us, we're, we're 20 miles further down the road than you are. So um, Norfolk guys won't, don't generally come out here. So, yeah. Um, and, and people are busy, even with this, uh, with this epidemic or the pandemic here. Uh, people have still been busy. You know, the contractors are, are always busy. And I mean, I know a lot of them. None of them are, are really saying you know, they're sitting back and waiting for work. I know a lot of them that have job after job after job lined up. So um, yeah, getting on a list is hard. And I think that's almost uh, the story pretty much everywhere you go. I talk to friends that still live in Omaha and stuff. And they say, you know, depending on the contractor you want, some of them are still a ways out. So yeah, it helps to kind of know yeah. certain people and and be friends with certain people. And, and that kind of bumps you up in a list. Or, um, you know, when you do start talking to people, and that's the thing, it's like, a lot of people when they're looking at building or when they're looking at, you know, building a house, one thing, renovates another thing. Yep. When you're looking at building, if you can talk to that contractor, he might say, oh man, I'm a year out. And you'll think a year. Well, to be honest with you, it's going to take you over a year to, you know, prepare to do this, that, and the other thing, you know, you have to, there's a lot of steps involved that, that you might not be aware of um, when it comes to building a house, especially when it comes to starting over scratch. You know, like I said, we had to acquire land. We had to, clear the land. Um, there was a lot of steps we had to, or a lot of hoops also we had to jump through before you're even ready to start breaking ground. So, I mean, when you talk to a contractor and they say, Oh, they're, they're, you know, six months, a year out, that's not that bad of a deal. Because like I said, if you just kind of get them involved early in, um, then you can still kind of get what you're looking for. So what you're saying is it's been a pretty easy, smooth process. <laughs> I hope that's not what I'm saying. I hope that's not what it came off of. No, no, it's, no, uh, no. Uh, I'm definitely not the personality that should be building a house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm one of those people that like uh, very type A personality. That's just the, the anesthesia, the healthcare provider. Yeah. Um, everybody, you, you know, you, you kind of, if you don't know about going on, then that will drive you crazy. Uh, Michael Scott quote where it's like, I didn't get much sleep last night, but I did get a couple of hours of anxiety in. And that's pretty <laughs> much my life every single night as I sit here and I just stare at the ceiling. I think about all the things I should be doing. Um, and eventually I do that until I fall asleep. But yeah, building a house, like I said, I'm not a contractor. I'm not a builder, but I definitely want to know each and every step that they're doing and how they're doing it and why they're doing it. Not to be, you know, pain in the butt to them. And I get along great with, with everybody working on my house. Um, but just because I'm curious, you know, I just want to know how this whole process works. And, and you know, I think it's fascinating. The stuff that they do is is uh, very interesting to me. You know, I would have in another life would have loved to do that. I think it's, I've been up there watching them and trying not to get in the way as much as possible. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, hey, let me do that, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah, don't get hurt. We need you at the hospital. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they won't let me. They won't let me play with any of the power tools or anything. So. They've already told me I'm not allowed up on the roof. And I was just like, you know what? That's fine. You know, it's Nebraska is kind of a windy state and that's a tall roof. And, yeah. and I like my legs in one piece. So I'll just stay down here. Um, so are you guys going to have uh, internet at your new house? Um, that's, that's one of the struggles we had was internet. Yep, absolutely. That is something uh, like I, I kind of mentioned to you right before we got on here. Uh, <clears throat> had to check it's it's in the evening at night and uh 
you know, having a family of five, uh, I'm on the internet with you right now, you know, (coughs) excuse me, zooming. Uh, I guarantee that there's three iPads going and (laughs) Netflix on the television and probably a cell phone on as well. So, I mean, everybody is on the internet and that was one of the things I was doing right before I got in was kind of doing a speed test to see is, am you know, am I going to be able to even zoom with you? Or am I going to have to do this over my phone and stuff? Because there are a lot of times I, I definitely hear it from the kids pretty much on a regular basis. You know, they'll be trying to play video games or, or everybody's trying to watch Netflix. You got, you know, six different Netflix open and, uh, <laughs> and you'll get the buffering. You'll get the, you know, the, the image quality is not that bad. You and I have been zooming this whole time now and it seems to be, you know, holding up pretty good. You know, um, every once in a while it'll kind of glitch and, and kind of lag a little bit, but for the most part, it's doing okay. Um, there, there are times, you know, like I said, uh, where you know, we'll kind of run into issues where it's just, I don't know if it's uh, hitting uh, excessive amount of people all getting on at the same time in the, in the area or what it is, but it'll definitely come to a, a screeching halt where kind of nothing really is working. Um, and you'll just kind of have to either wait or, you know, like I said, a lot of us have the ability to, well, I'll jump on my phone and switch it over to 4G and I'll just, you know, watch that or play with that for a little bit until Netflix decides to, to you know, get enough speed that we can actually use it. So yeah, internet's always a big deal. Um, I'm definitely one of those guys that I, I like. I, I like technology. I'll admit that. I mean, I'm impressed by it all the time. I would love to be able to watch a 4K movie on HBO if I could, but, you know, a lot of times that's just not a possibility. You know, we actually drove through Omaha about a month ago, and we we have the new iPhone 12 or whatever, and we looked down at the phone, it said 5G. And right. I was like, wow. And I told my wife, I said, start downloading music. I was like, <laughs> see what we can do. I was like, let's get on Netflix. Let's. I was like, let's start and you know i was blown away we she has you know apple music and found a song and she said all right buy that song for 99 cents and hit download and that little circle that has to go around it whoop, and it yeah. was done and it yeah. downloaded a song in less than a half a second and i was like that is impressive because i remember the days on you know napster <laughs> growing up where it would take you know 30 minutes to download a three minute song so you'd queue you'd, you'd queue up like five songs and go to bed yeah. and hope they were and hope none of them were viruses in the morning yeah, yeah. i was i was blown away I was, uh, like i said i like technology and i thought that was pretty impressive and i can't wait for the you know the day that you know we can do something like that you know we can do it on our cell phones it'd be amazing to, to be able to do it on laptops and everything and i know you can get um you know 4g to your laptops and everything if you need to but yeah the the day where we don't have to have any wire at that kind of speed um i think that'll be pretty impressive but uh, you know at the same time all the videos will start jumping up to 8k and then we'll have 16k and all this kind of stuff and then then we'll wonder why it's taken so down so long to download right. them and it's like well because all the files getting bigger so well, ho- hopefully we'll have caught up with the rest of the world by then and have good internet for everybody um, I, I would like that that'd be nice yeah uh so i want to um thank you for your time i i certainly appreciate you uh taking the time on on a weeknight here to to sit and chat for a little bit and tell us about your like pretty cool job that you have in the middle of a cornfield yeah i like it Get to meet a lot of people, get to meet a lot of the, the local individuals around here that I, you know, might not necessarily get a chance to run into on a daily basis otherwise. And, uh, you know, a lot of times um, get to see patients 
in the rural community after I've taken care of them in the hospital. And I mean, it's like, you get to make a new friend. I, I, I guess I'm happy to say I don't think I've ever really upset someone. Usually, <laughs> a lot of people when they come to me, they're very apprehensive, they're very nervous, um, scared. I mean, they they don't know what to expect, and I try to explain it to them as much as I possibly can, and and you know, kind of ensure them that I'm going to take as as good a care of them as I possibly can. And and uh, you know, I see them afterwards, and then they're a completely different person to me. So it's you know, scared versus hey, you you said you were going to take care of me, and you did, and. and you know, I, I really respect that and appreciate that. And like I said, I've gotten to make a lot of good friends just because of that. And, and uh, it's kind of nice to, you do something with your job and, <clears throat> you know, in Omaha, I do it and I'd never see that person again. You know? Right, right. Whereas now it's, you know, a lot of these people I know, I know them already or I will know them or I'll, I'll bump into them again or I know people that know them or, or vice versa. And, and you know, it, it definitely plays a, plays a role. I mean, one of my patients has been my wife, you know, and I've had to provide anesthesia to my wife, you know, for certain circumstances. And it was just like, it wasn't planned by any means. And, and that was a very nerve wracking situation with me, you know, it's like, and that doesn't happen in, in larger, larger areas, you know, that's so, yeah, it's posed a lot of challenges, but definitely has a lot of rewards. I you know I really, I really, yeah, you know, appreciate having the uh, opportunity to kind of serve people that, like I said, I get to live next to and call my friends and call my neighbors. Well, and, and I don't think that people, when, when they think of rural, they don't think of, of cool jobs like that. Right. No, they yeah. don't, they don't think of a rural hospital that is, um, it, it, it's our County's med center, right? Like it yeah. is where everybody goes and then it, it just goes out from there. And, and I don't think people think about that when, when, you know, uh, they're going through med school. They're they're working on on their doctorate. They they don't think about all the cool advantages that you have for your job mm-hmm. because you work in the small town. Everything you were just saying, exactly. Yeah, and I mean all those. I mean, like I said, I did a lot of my residency um, at the med center. You know, all the surgeries and stuff they're doing at the med center. I got to do them all. You know, when I was going through my my residency there and. And, you know, it's the same guy doing the, the cases here. You know, if, if you come in and you're having the same problems there, you know, I can do a lot of the same stuff here um, that I could do there. So it's, yeah, a lot of people don't realize kind of, and the same thing with, you know, the other physicians there, you know, that, that work here, they all did their residencies at all these other major hospitals too. And they, they, they bring all that knowledge and they bring all that back to Neely. And it's, right. you know, like I said, it's kind of something uh, I don't know, we take for granted and, and you don't really think about it on a daily basis, but it's, it's nice to have it there. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, the physicians I work with, I'm happy, you know, that they're here and, you know, especially with kids, you know, at a minute's notice, if something happens, you know, and that's the other thing, you know, if something happens in Omaha and you got to rush your kid into the hospital, it might be a couple hours before you're seen in the middle of the night. Whereas here, I mean, you, it's pretty nice to be seen. That is definitely a, a a bonus to where we live. Yeah. So I, uh, again, I, I appreciate you taking the time to chat and um, uh, hopefully your, your uh, kids aren't too mad. Your wife and kids aren't too mad that I, I kept you tied up for a while. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, they, like I said, they'd be more upset about if I'm stealing too much internet from them. So. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, thank you so much. Have a good. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Rural Is Cool. There are many more great conversations to come. Hitting the subscribe or follow button will help make sure you don't miss any. 
If there's someone you think I should talk to, send me an email at ruraliscoolpod at gmail.com. I truly enjoy meeting rural people and helping tell their stories. This episode was produced by Brian Ferris. The artwork is by Casey Schott. Do me a favor and be sure to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This helps more people like you find us. Until next time, remember, rural is cool.